The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. I trust this year-end season is already looking brighter and better for you in Jesus' name. Again, let me quickly encourage and remind everyone that is the plan. That is the plan from heaven for you to finish this year very well. And I decree over you again that will be your portion in Jesus' name. But you need to fight for it. You need to believe for it. You need to be aware that this is what God wants for you to finish well. To finish well. God never planned for any of us as children. Um, he didn't plan that we will not have a, a better ending. And that's why God is not bothered from where you start life. Or where you are currently in life. You may be battered. You may be broken. You may have been disappointed. It may have been difficult. But you've got to learn to look up. We were teaching in the midweek service. And we started talking about that. One of the ways you can finish well is to embrace prophecies. Peter said that you should take the prophecies of God as a light in a dark tunnel. And you keep holding on to the prophecy, looking at the prophecy until the day dawns. And the morning star appears in your heart. Or until you come to the dawning of a new day. That is what to do. Praise God. You will never have a life or live in a world where challenges or difficulties may not be around you. What you've got to learn to do is how to navigate through those challenges. And one of your best vehicles is the prophecies of God. But you've got to embrace them. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not teaching along that line today, although that's part of what we are teaching in church. Please, that's ongoing in the midweek services. Join us online and listen to what we are saying. God wants you to end well. Hallelujah. Praise God. And our life is the sum total of all our years. So every year end, we should be assessing how we are doing, where we are. Glory be to God. Now, we're going to talk about marriages and relationships today. It's one area also God wants us to have it well and to end well. Praise God. And I know sometimes teaching about marriages, particularly on a Sunday morning, it can be a bit tricky. In fact, when God said putting this on my heart, I was like, how are we going to do it? Because not everyone sitting before me here on a Sunday morning is married. Of course, we have single people. So, of course, we're going to fuse teaching to them, um, talking to the singles as well in this teaching. But then some people, we have a few elders in our church. Some people have gone beyond that marriage phase. They are not planning to marry again. Hallelujah. So, marriage or looking for that special somebody is not on their priority list or trying to make it work. And that's why we will... Um, talk also about relationships. Even if you are that kind of person, um, you are, you've gone beyond that age of marriage, that phase of your life, you've completed that phase. We know there are not that many here, but we know there are still a few people. Um, these principles and things we are going to be looking at can be applied broadly in the area of general relationships as well. Praise God. I'm trying to make sure everybody is interested and included in what we are teaching. So, yeah, they are talking about marriage. They are talking about romance. Ah, they are not talking to me. I'm talking to you. 
even if you are someone that it has been rough for you maritally, maybe you are divorced. We have such people in church as well, separated. And you are in this place of your life. Look, I don't even want to hear anything about that kind of teaching. Now, let me just get my life together first. And that may be a necessary phase someone has to walk through. But it doesn't mean you should shut yourself off from the truth about marriage, about relationships, about finding somebody, particularly if you are still of marriageable age. The last person did not work out. It doesn't mean God does not have a better plan for you going forward. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, some people have to go through that kind of experience in life where it's, there's just no point. There's no point beating a dead horse. Shut that thing down and move on. That's not God's will. That's not God's best. But it's never the end of the road. What am I saying this morning? The things we are going to be teaching in this series, it applies to everyone, how be it differently. But what I want you to listen to and to listen for are the principles and truths we are sharing. And in whatever phase of life you are, see how you can apply it to yourself in whatever situation you find yourself. And I tell you, if you will do that and if you will do this thing, your life will be better. Praise God. Let me start by telling everyone, particularly married people, you are going to be the core of the message. And of course, single people that are planning to get married, whether you are in a relationship or not, you are going to be the core of who we are centering these things we are going to be talking about um, too. Because you make up the bulk of the church. You are the critical mass, as it were. But like I said a moment ago, the principles apply to everybody else. If you are a grandma, or maybe you are now a widow, a widow, and you are not planning to marry again, thank God your children will marry. Glory be to God. And thank God you can believe God for your children's marriage to be a wonderful one. And more, most importantly, you have a relationship with your children and your children's children. And it's the same principles you are going to need to use to relate with them so that their own relationships and your relationship with them can also be sweeter and better. Hallelujah. Let me start with this verse this morning. Hebrews 13 verse 4. And you will see what I'm talking about here. Marriage is honorable among all. Praise God. And the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Look at the first part of that verse. Marriage is honorable among all. First and foremost, if you look as if it's honorable among married people, the all there that God is talking about, that's the impression you get. Or people that are planning to marry. Marriage is honorable. Let me talk to the single people that are dragging their feet to get married. Marriage is honorable. The Bible says so. Honor talks about um, bringing, honor is like a source of prosperity, a source of blessing, fame. It's a good thing. If you can find out the way God designed it and enter into it and walk in it, 
It's honorable. Anybody that is connected to any kind of marital relationship one way or the other, the ultimate goal of God is for you to introduce and bring honor into your life. Hallelujah. But I want to submit to you this morning, when God said all there, he meant all. Not just married people. Not just single people that are supposed to be married or that want to get married. He meant everyone. A solid marital relationship, a solid marriage brings honor to everyone. Not just the couple that are in the marriage. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. When a marriage breaks down, God forbid, or when a marriage doesn't work, it's not only the couple involved that it affects. I hope you understand what I'm saying. It's obvious it affects the couple involved, but it also affects their children. It affects their children. It may even affect their children's children. Because there are some children, and as a pastor I've seen that, the baggage that they saw in their parents' failed marriage, that they grew up under, when they eventually got married, they transferred it into their own life as well. It can bring generational dishonor, generational pain, generational shame, or generational blessing and honor. The reverse is true. People that saw their parents walk in a good marriage, walk in a godly marriage, when they now grew up and got married, the things they learned and they saw in their parents, it's helping them somewhat in their own relationship. So I submit to you, when God said all there, he wasn't just referring to the couple. He meant everyone. Everyone. Have you seen organizations where maybe a scandal broke out about the MD? In fact, we had that something in Nigeria. One MD that they said he was having an affair with something. And that bank, I won't mention their name. How many of you know that story? It was the guy's marital life. He had an affair, I think, with a staff or secretary or something. It became a public scandal. And it affected the bank. It affected the organization. God forbid. Imagine if one church, not this church, but by God's grace, please pray for us. That the senior pastor, a scandal breaks out. It's a personal thing, no? But that shame and that stigma, and we know churches that have had those kind of incidents, the whole church gets stigmatized. Praise God. So it can bring honor to an organization. It can bring dishonor. It's, it was a personal, we didn't, it's not like the pastor came and said, look, oh, everybody come together, board of ministers. I want to start an affair. Let's decide together. This is our project for the next one year. No. But when the problem came, it also affected, of course, the pastor's family, his wife, his children, everybody. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Marriage can affect the fabric of a nation. In Malachi chapter 2, maybe we'll get into this later. I'm just laying the importance of what we are talking about here. God told them, I have two problems with you. Number one, the way you are handling the way you honor me and giving to me. It was telling the nation, the entire nation. It was saying that you come and cry and cry. Well, I'm not hearing you. I'm not answering you. Then he said, I'm not hearing you because of the way you treat the wife of your youth. 
the way I, I, I was a witness between the vow you made between your wife, and you are treating your wife treacherously. Hallelujah. Malachi 2, 14 and 15. I'm still laying foundation here. Maybe we'll get into this later. And Peter echoed the same sentiment. He said, treat your wife well, lest your prayers become hindered. See, marriage is such a spiritual, it's such a spiritual phenomenon and relationship. It's between a man and his wife, yes, but the repercussions and the impact it has it goes beyond those two people alone. It goes beyond their immediate family. It can affect their organization. It can affect the entire nation. It's amazing. So I pray that everybody will listen very attentively to what we are teaching. Because whether you are in a marriage or not, the truths and the principles that God used to build marriage, and yes, the primary actors are the husband and wife in every marriage. And for single people that are planning to marry, you should know what it takes for marriage to work. It's so vital because whether that marriage works or not, whether it's solid or not solid, it's going to have impact and influence beyond the two of you alone. Even an entire nation can be affected. You hear many Christian thought leaders raising a lot of alarm and concern, globally speaking, about some of the things that are going on where homosexuality and all kind of marital inadequacies and indecencies are going all over the world now raising alarm for good reason. For good reason. Because one way to destroy the fabric of a society is to attack the marriages in that society. I'm going to touch on that briefly this morning. And Satan knows how to play the long game. Recently, um, I was reading an article by a social expert. Listen, this is really interesting. Those people that study social demography and the impact where so social things, the impact it has on a nation. And they said they discovered now, it was an American article, and they said they've discovered now that more women, listen to this very carefully, said more women are now going to college in the United States than men for the first time in the history of that nation. And the person said that, yeah, I mean, of course, equality, diversity, and all that. There's nothing wrong with women going to church. But he said there is no way 30 years from today, 40 years from today, 50 years from today, this is not going to have a direct impact on the American society. Because for the first time now, it may very well mean that the wives or the women are now the main breadwinners in the country. Nothing wrong with that in itself. But the point the person was making is that it hasn't been like that for the past 200 years. It hasn't been like that. And this thing, it will have an impact on the home and the marriage. That will affect the entire society at large, for good at large, for good or for bad. So marriage is important. Mr. Husband, Mrs. Wife, how you handle that marriage and how you handle yourself in that marriage is very, very vital. Glory be to God. Let me say this at this point, and particularly for my people. I want you to find the spark in your marriage. Again, that's why we've called these things sparkles. There's something that makes marriage exciting. Praise God. There's something that having that kind of intimate relationship with another person that makes it so wonderful. And without that spark, the marriage is dead. 
find a spark in your marriage again. Let things begin to sparkle day after day, week after week. I love the way Solomon said it in Proverbs chapter 5. He said, be always enraged with the love of your wife, your spouse. Always enraged. We need that. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? To keep the marriages bubbling, to keep the marriages going, let us look for things. Let's reignite the spark. Let's start things again. Start a new hobby or a new something you do together. Recently, Pastor Inda and I started learning to swim regularly. <laughs> I used to swim before, but I just abandoned it. Just do something to start sparking things, making things work, making things lively, making things fun, making things joyful, making things exciting. Just to get things going the way God wants it to be in your marriage. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 19. Glory be to God. I want to read from verse 4. Matthew 19 verse 4. Let's get into the things we want to really teach here. And we are trusting God that at the end of this series, marriages will be reignited in this church in the name of Jesus. People that are going through a rough patch, the, God, the grace of God will cause a spark in your marriage afresh in the name of Jesus. People that things are going well, God will take you to another level in the name of Jesus. Single people that are trusting God to find that special person to marry, God will open your eyes in the name of Jesus. People that are engaged, God will give you grace to bring that relationship into a marriageable relationship in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We believe God for sparks. We believe God for things to start sparkling again. For people to go from glory to glory where their marital relationships are concerned in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. So the people came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 and they brought up the age-old question of marriages and divorce. Hallelujah. Is it lawful, verse 3, for a man to divorce his wife for any just reason? Obviously, they were having marital challenges. Obviously, there were some difficulties in the marriages, and rightfully, they brought the question to Jesus. Can we divorce? Can we separate? When things are not going well, should we just give our wives a letter of divorce? Jesus told them, and this is what I want us to do this morning, go back to the beginning. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he quoted Genesis chapter 2 to them. I'm going to go back to that text because the secrets that will make marriages stand and marriages work the way they ought to work, which we all need to know, both married and single people, they are found in that chapter. A basic foundation where we can build on. Hallelujah. They came back to him when he told them that um, Moses gave us the authority or the right to divorce our wives. I want to start with what Jesus told them here. Glory be to God. Look at verse 8. Moses said to them, please everybody listen to this very carefully. I mean, Jesus said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. From the beginning, it wasn't so. Please, I want to say this to everyone here. Whether you are married or you are planning to get married, you can't do this thing with a hard heart. Hello? 
you can't do this thing. You, you can't be hard in your heart. You can't be stubborn. You can't have your way all the time. It can't be just the way you want it. I will never forgive him. I will never forgive her. Look at what he did. Look at what she did. That's not the way it works. If you abhor hardness of heart and you want to walk in a marital relationship and you want it to flourish, it will end up with this. Divorce. Praise God. Told them the reason why he allowed you to divorce your wife, because you people are too hard. You are not willing to bend. You are not willing to yield. You are not willing to allow the other person to have their way. And this really cuts across any kind of relationship. Hardness of heart. Insisting on your own right every time. It must be my way or the highway. Every couple from time to time, you need to stand back and just look at how things are going in your home, in your marriage. And you can look at all the times where maybe you and your spouse, one person wants to go this way, the other person wants to go away. Is it only your way that happens all the time? Or are there times and seasons where you allow the other person because of this is what my spouse wants, I'm going to yield? And this is, at, this is what is at the heart of people divorcing. Not able to make peace. Not able to make things work among themselves. Single people. This is one flag red light you should look for. If you are going out with somebody and the person always insists on his way. When something happens, he doesn't want, um, the way he didn't plan it, it is trouble. He can't just calm down and allow the other person have their way. Because of hardness of your heart, that's why he said, look, because you can't make things work with someone that will always insist on their own. A time will come, the other person will say, look, I'm not your slave. I'm not your slave. I didn't enter this relationship to be a sufferhead. Somebody know what I'm talking about? It's supposed to be of mutual benefit. Glory be to God. And when it looks like it's only one person that is having his way and getting all the benefits, after a while, no matter how yielding, even if the person had this message that Pastor Three preached, that I should not be hard. So from today, I'll be allowing my spouse to get that way. After a while, I'll say, ah, Otto, the last two years, <laughs> in the name of me not being hard, <laughs> the person will now become hard. No. Glory be to God. Help me look at anybody's mind and say, learn to yield. Learn to yield. Be soft. Be soft. Be soft. Tell another neighbor, let the other person have their way from time to time. Help me look for somebody and tell them you don't have to win every battle. It doesn't always have to work out the way you want it to work out. Let me look at someone this morning and say, you are looking too hard. The way you're... Particularly someone that has not been talking. You are looking. This message is when it's... It, it, it takes, listen, listen, it takes softness of heart for marital relationships to work. I tell people from time to time, if some people find out the things I do in my house and in my marriage to keep my marriage working, by God's grace, we've been marking 28 years. I know, particularly traditional thinking men, they will say to fear for me, do that. But that's what it takes to be married for the same person 20 years. And for things to still be going well. Hallelujah. 
Now, more importantly, please, when Jesus said hardness of heart, he was referring to the things God told them in the beginning. Your heart is hard where the word of God that framed the marital institution is concerned. The things God said in the beginning, when God made marriage to work, the things he said, hardness of heart just speaks of this is what God is saying, but you are saying no way. It doesn't make sense. It's not practical. I can't apply it to my situation now. Your heart is hard towards God's word. I told them, did you not hear that when God made them, he made them male and female? The intention of God was for people to marry. Hallelujah. It was the plan of God. And God has put everything inside the marital institution to make it work. But he said, your problem is that your heart is hard. And watch it. When somebody's heart is hard, where the word and the instruction and the plan of God is concerned, it is only a matter of time. He will turn that harshness towards human being after a while. That's why a good place to watch somebody before you get into marriage relation with them is their spiritual life. Does this one pray? Because if he doesn't pray, he has a hard heart. Does this one serve God? Because he doesn't serve, he has a hard heart. Does this one give? Is this one a worshiper? Is this one subject to authority? Is there somebody over his life that can tell him, come down, sit down, I want to talk to you. I want you to be in church, 7 a.m. You're going to do this for me. And he said, yes, sir. When people's hearts are hard, please watch this carefully, towards the word of God and the things of God, it's difficult for them to succeed maritally. And you need to watch out for that. Praise God. So what happened in the beginning? Hallelujah. Let's go to Genesis 2 again. Let me just read a few verses. And I want to point out five things. I will do two or three in this service. I'll do the remaining in the second service. Please watch these five things that um, was said in the beginning that God used to establish the marital institution. And it's important that from time to time we remind ourselves this was God that set up marriage. It wasn't even Adam. It was God. It's God that wants men and women to marry. That's what Jesus told them. Did you not read that he made them male and female? In other words, God could have made all men or all women. But in his wisdom, hallelujah, and in his divine supremacy, no, said, I'm going to make them two different kinds, and the plan is for them to come and become one. That's how I want it. And that's what the marriage institution is for. Glory be to God. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we start from there. And the Lord said, this is the first thing I want you to see here, and particularly for our single people, and I want to say this particularly for someone, if you are of marriageable age, whatever that is. I don't want to, we don't have time to start defining that. But whatever that is to you. Some people, it's okay for them to marry at 18. Some people, they need to get to 30 before they get married. Some people, it's 40. But whatever your age is, or whether the time is right, listen to it very well. Listen to this very well again. It is not good that man should be alone. God said that. Hallelujah. 
God said that. Remember the way God created the world. Every time he spoke, let there be light, let there be fishes, let there be firmament. Well, at the end of the day, he said it was good. It was good. So it is good that the man or the woman that God made to come into a marital relationship. Now I understand the complications and the difficulties that may be around that, particular in our world today. But that's not what I'm addressing here. I'm not talking, I'm not saying there are no complications. I'm not saying there are no difficulties. That's not where I want you to start from. I want you to see that God said. The same God that said, let there be light. Hallelujah. In the midst of all the darkness and the chaos and the emptiness and the void that was in the world, God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make for him, praise God, a helper comparable to him. I will make for him. That means for every single person here, glory be to God, God has made somebody for you. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. Please hear me and hear me very well, Lou. And make sure no hardness of heart um, messes up what I'm telling you this morning. I'm just reading the word of God in simplicity and in truth. And I'm preaching from there. See, sometimes hardness of heart develops from experiences people have had. You don't even know that your heart is hard. Maybe you've been to two or three or four relationships and some nasty brethren have broken your heart left, right, and center. And unconsciously now, you have developed a hard heart and you have come to this place. And it's very common in our world today. Yeah, people, I don't have to marry. If I was listening to radio the other day, and we hear a lot of things on radio today in this woke generation, this 21st century, and it's not like what they are saying does not make sense. In fact, what they are saying makes a lot of sense. But it doesn't make scripture. It doesn't make scripture. And why we can relate with it, because there's facts and there's reason behind what is being said. The other day, people were talking. I mean, I don't have to be in a marriage to have children. And they are right. You don't have to be in marriage to have children. Biologically speaking. But is that the way God designed it? Now, some people are not Christians, so they are not held to the standard of the word of God. Well, not you. Not you. So you can't develop a hardness of hearts in that dimension. And it doesn't look like they are being hard. You're going to go out with somebody of equal sex with me. And we can have children now. Science has made it possible. Try that in year 200 BC. Whether you could, you could have children. <laughs> but now science has made it possible. We just go to a spam bank. We have an army in land. And all these things, there's a way it can be presented. It looks reasonable. It makes sense. This person that is saying, I'm going to go out with somebody of, of the same sex. Maybe before in the past, how some people end up with these things, I don't know. I've not done any scientific experience. But just for the purpose of teaching, maybe he has tried going out with four or five people of the opposite sex and it didn't work. And he's now feeling something good about someone of the opposite. Sometimes that's how hardness of hearts develops in people. But thank God, the word of God has not changed. Hallelujah. 
And Jesus said, in the beginning, God said, it is not good for somebody to be alone. After a while, the Bible said, God brought all the animals, Adam to name them and look at them. And the purpose as it's white, look as if God was saying, Adam, find a wife and mother. Is, can you marry the snake? No, it won't work. Can you marry the elephant? Can you marry? <laughs> I want to say this very simply to anyone here. God wants you married. And some of you need to find a spark. Glory be to God. See, I'm talking to single people now. You need to pray to God. Let God give you a spark. May you find someone that is compatible with you in the name of Jesus. It's what God wants. Now, this is not to put anybody under pressure or anything, but it's God's word we are reading. Hallelujah. Ah, it looks like some of you don't like that. Let me quickly run before they think I'm fighting them. Hallelujah. Now, watch this. This will help you, particularly if you are that person that is looking for someone to marry. Start from that place where you believe and you accept and you're okay with the fact that God wants me married. And the Bible told us the story. After all the animals God had brought to Adam, then when God said it's not good, the Bible said God made Adam to sleep. Glory be to God. God made him to sleep. And it was while he was sleeping that God brought out a rib from his side and created a woman for him. Adam, as it were, had no involvement in it. Praise God. What does that tell us? Get God involved in finding that person. In fact, it's only God that can help you to do it. And I know that sounds very strange. That sounds very, and we are not asking you to do, nat that you should not do natural things. I'm not asking you to just go to your room and just be praying in tongues. Payala, ba, 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 ba. Adam was asleep, and that's how his wife came. And you expect that one day you just stroll to church on Sunday morning, and you just see that sister, and God will say, that is her. No. You know some brothers have tried that. You, you've got to learn how to interpret scriptures, holding on to the core truth that God is saying, and still applying it practically to things you need to do. So you are believing God for a spouse. Look attractable. Learn to talk well. Learn to relate with people. All body sex that you may be interested in. Get involved with other people in your life. We are, do, do natural things. But understand the principle here. We are going back to the beginning. And we are not allowing our hearts to be hard. The truth of the matter is the main ingredient to make marriages work is that God factor. Hallelujah. It's that God factor. God made him to sleep. In fact, the Bible said God caused the deep sleep to come upon him. And while he was asleep, God made his wife for him. And when Adam saw her, my God, my God. I love the way one preacher said it. You know, the King James said... This is woman. One preacher said, he said, wow, man. In other words, he saw the spark. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ah, this one is different from the elephant. This one is different from the pig. This one is different in our own market. You've seen every other lady, but this one is different. You've seen every other guy, but this one is different. The spark came. Hallelujah. So the most important piece, and my people never forget this, Never forget this. Because people change as you get married. 
It's not the six pack that make a husband. Or the hourglass figure that makes a wife. I can guarantee you after 20 years, all that one will change. Okay, you're still looking good after 20 years. I give you another 10 years, 30 years. Okay, you're still trying. Okay, I'll give you 40 years. Should the Lord Jesus tarry? But what God said will never change. And sometimes to get that spark and to get sparkles, that spark upon spark, you need to keep going back to what God said. What did God tell you when you were asleep? Hallelujah. Rise on our feet. Let's rise on our feet. We'll continue next Sunday. Our time is up. Lift your hands to God this morning. If you're married in this place, just take a moment and just talk to God. Just talk to God. And ask God for a fresh spark in your marriage. And if you are single in this place, particularly if you are intending to get married, no matter the disappointments of the delays that have happened, open up your mouth this morning and just talk to God. And make up your mind that there will be no hardness of heart where you are concerned. You are going to sleep. You are going to be ready to sleep. And allow God to just take control of the wheel. And take out what he needs to take out from you. Add what he needs to add to you. And cause the person that he has created and ordained for you to come to you. Or for you to find the person. It is not good for man to be alone. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234 810 0000640.